I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that rigorously examines The Sopranos one episode at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you love the podcast, please spread the word. Share this episode or your favorite one with one new person. That's all it takes. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Potabang. And if you're up for it, you can support the show by visiting glow.fm slash Potabang. If you'd like to participate in the trivia series for a chance to win swag, guest on the pod, or just secure permanent bragging rights, DM at Potabang on Instagram. Finally, as always, thank you for listening and being a part of this journey. Coming up is a conversation I had with Oksana Lada. Oksana played Irina, Tony's girlfriend, on the show. She called in from the city to share her soprano story and, to my delight, her love of house music. The things we pick up in conversation. If time permitted, I would have done a whole pod with her where we swapped dance tracks. We had a fun chat, and I'm excited to share it with you. Special thanks again to Oksana for being a part of this. Hope everybody's out there having a great Labor Day weekend. Thanks for spending part of it with us. Enjoy. So, Oksana, thank you for doing the podcast. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. So let's set the stage for this. How did The Sopranos happen for you? What's the backstory? The backstory? Well, uh, uh, I literally probably came to the United States maybe a year and a half ago before I got myself on the show. And... Um, friend of mine was auditioning for this new show on HBO, The Sopranos, and casting director asked him if he knows of any actor that speaks Russian. And he said, as a matter of fact, I do. And he called me and he said, would you like to audition? Well, you know what? I did some off-Broadway off theater in New York City, and I maybe auditioned for a few commercials because I was doing some modeling at that time. And I said, yes, why not? And uh, I went, met with casting director, she liked me, and she brought me, you know, to audition for everybody else. Well, I didn't expect, when I walked in in the room, there were like 15 people sitting, <laughs> looking at me, and um, James was there, of course. And I remember I was so petrified. I was like, oh my God, now what do I do? I don't even remember what exactly I did, but uh, I made them all laugh. <laughs> Everybody was laughing, and that's how it started for me. So probably I did something right. <laughs> but, <laughs> there were 15 other people, you said, like 15 other arenas? Or, or uh, like... No, 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 no. Producers, director, casting, James Condolcini was there, all writers were there. We're talking, uh, cinematographer was there, Alex Accaro was there. So like basically all production crew was there sitting on this audition. And that's why I'm like, oh, there's so many people. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be intimidating. Like, well, especially for me, you know, it's yeah. like it was my first big audition. Now, after that, I've got, gotten used to it. But, and, you know, I just arrived in this country, so I wasn't familiar with everything yet. And, yeah. uh, oh, my gosh, it's just so much fun. But I got the part, and um, it was a very interesting journey for me. 
When you first auditioned, was this like, this was during the pilot period? Like, was it early, early stages of the show or? They already had pilot and they were getting ready to shoot like the rest of the episodes. Basically, pilot just picked up. Pilot just picked up. Okay, that was what I was trying to figure out. Okay, in the chronology. Were there any other arenas that you were up against that you're aware of? I have no idea because I never know. You you never know these things, really. And uh, I never, I didn't see anybody in the um, waiting room. Maybe I just was so long ago. I don't even remember. I remember being so petrified and scared. So I don't think I even paid attention to anything. (laughs) So... So, yeah. You appeared in 13 episodes across four seasons, and you were in most of the best episodes ever to air, right? So College, Night in White Satin Armor. Oh, which are, that's my favorite. Which, of course, is a is a, 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 in part named from the great line that you had on the show. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Pine Barrens and White Caps. After all these years, what stands out to you the most? What do you remember from that experience, from these episodes, from that time that you that you can share with me and share with listeners? Well, yeah, it's funny because you named my favorite episodes pretty much. Good. Um, I the night in in white satin armor I loved because it was very funny. It was a lot of it was you know about my character. Of course, I love that, and uh, I loved the writing on that show. Uh, just. Comedy of it was so funny, and Alan Cutler, the director of that episode, was such a sweetheart to me. So I love that. Then Pine uh, Pine Barrel, there is memories of it because I was told that it will be directed by Stephen Buscemi, Mm -hmm. and I was a big fan of his. So I it was so cool just to meet him, and you know, uh, he was just so awesome. Like he was really, really awesome. Uh, the other part that I really liked, I was watching too much television. And that was the show when uh, I have a scene when Tony uh, got really jealous that I started to date, uh, that my character, Irina, started to date a politician from yeah. New Jersey. And he takes his belt off and he beats him up. I thought it was one of the funniest. Uh, episode ever for me at least uh, for my character and White Cap of course that was um, actually that was the scene that I kind of not struggled the most but I didn't know which way to play her she was disturbed drunk and um, so I kind of struggled with it because I had so many ideas how to play it and but I think it turned out good yeah it turned, it turned out amazing i'm gonna ask you about i'm gonna ask you about white caps in a moment i want to go back to that scene though where uh the politician gets beat up by tony um mm-hmm. there's a song in that episode that's the song that tony's listening to the motown song that kind of gets him teary-eyed about arena and makes him go to to the politician's yeah, house <laughs> was that music playing when you guys were shooting that scene was it in the background i'm just curious from like a production standpoint did it like to set the mood or to set the vibe or was it was it dubbed over oh it's it's never nobody plays really music um it's it's all after it's it's you know into editing so no there was no music so when you see the final product right you you work on the show and you don't know what's going to happen after really you just give yourself 
and you trust the directors and you know the creative creators of the show that they will do something magical with it and these guys they just delivered um also i wanted to say uh what was special about first season from working on the first first season is um it's work process of work because when you're shooting a new show, it's like a movie. You have to come up with a character. You have to create it. You don't have a character yet, right? So you work through it. Like by, by the second, third episode, you kind of know, okay, this is my character. That's what she would do, for example. But the first one, everybody was still seeking it. Everybody. And it was so fascinating to see James kind of see you know, still searching for his character on the first, uh, for the first episode. We would reshoot so many scenes all the time, and days were so long because of it. But I really appreciate and really actually love this process. So for me, first season was the most rewarding in terms of, um, it was like a family, you're finding a new world for yourself and your character. Mm. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Well said. Um, Irina is extremely important to the arc of the show. It all culminates in the powerful Whitecaps episode that we just alluded to. Can you Mm -hmm. take listeners back to that time and your thoughts on how impactful the character you played was? Were you aware that this, that she was going to essentially destroy the family and that was the scene that would sort of take the show from season four all the way to the end pretty much like did you have any sort of concept of that or were you just in the moment well you know what i read the script you get a script so i read the script um of course i focused only on my work but i don't think at that time i really really uh you know it's really really sinking in me have how crucial it will be, really. Yeah. Um, however, I probably sensed it somehow, uh, somehow subconsciously, because as I mentioned to you, for some reason I was really, really like worried about the scene, and um, I really, uh, really worried about the scene that I'm not going to come off right, or do I do I do right choices? And I was looking, you know, for directors. I'm like, please help me. Do I do it right? Do I do what do I do? And uh director, that was I think John Patterson. He was just, no, you're fine, you're fine. And I'm like, God damn it, please somebody help me. I felt <laughs> a little bit like left alone, you know, in that scene. It was really exciting. Well, maybe that maybe that was part of it because you were on the phone and you were isolated and and again, like from the viewer standpoint, because you know we're seeing it from on the screen, right after it's all edited. Mm-hmm. There's this tension that you know the phone the the scene is cutting back between between your character and and then Carmela, and you just know that there's like this this sort of like wall is going to collapse. You know, this massive thing is about to happen. And then the later scene between Carmela and Tony, where the the relationship sort of they, they, it leads to a separation, it it's building up and it starts with your phone call. And um, again, it's such a powerful episode and you played such a it huge is. part in that. Um, maybe it that is. was the intention. Maybe the intention was to make you feel alone, you know, or... or t- uh, uh, well, and and also when you shoot something like this, Camilla wasn't there, of course. Right. Uh, they were just like line reader uh, yeah. giving me the lines on the phone. 
So um, I guess that was well, it wasn't a challenge, but I, I probably felt the impact of I have to carry this scene just by myself, you know, like this part. Just and there was no another actor that I could, you know, look at or communicate with. So um, I guess that's why I was worried so much. But I think I did okay. <laughs> you did, and that's actually interesting that you said that. I've heard that from several other actors as well. That I, and again, for someone who's an outsider and doesn't really know like the inner workings of production, um, actors like to have their lines fed to them by other actors, especially the ones that they're going to be doing scenes with. Um, I can I can't even only imagine how difficult it must be to just sort of carry the scene on your own. Yeah, and I Eddie Falco, she is, of course, she's. She's brilliant. Of course. The way she played it. That was when I watched the final, uh, you know, cut, I'm like, oh my God, that feels hilarious. Yeah. It just turned out to be so great, you know. Do you have any thoughts on what happened to Arena after season four? I'm sure you've been asked that before, but uh, she's gone. Yeah, she just disappeared. She's yeah. gone, yeah. They didn't like me on a show anymore, I guess. <laughs> or oh, I paid my role, you know, dues and role, and for some reason they didn't develop it. Um, uh, have no idea. I mean, Irina probably went and found another boyfriend and hope she lived well ever, ever after. <laughs> Let's hope. Are there any experiences or encounters that you can share of your time with David Chase? Uh, David Chase, he is probably, uh, I probably can say that he is my godfather in this. Uh, I think David took really a liking of me. Like, he thought that I'm funny, and um, he just gave me this, you know, pretty big part, you know, just, and I, I'm still at you know, surprised by it, and I'm well before ever grateful to him. Uh, there was always he was so kind to me on the set, always so helpful. I didn't see him much of after like season third or fourth. Like he was gone pretty much because he had you know like first season he was on the set from A to Z. He was directing episodes, but then he was kind of you know gone because the show was going by itself. Uh, but a uh, wonderful, wonderful person, wonderful New Yorker. You know, like a true New Yorker. Now that I lived here for a while, now I know what that means. You know, just a wonderful person. I love him. Mm-hmm. What about memories of time spent with James? Oh, James. <laughs> well, most of my scenes in the season first and second are with James. Yeah. And, uh, James, um, very powerful man in terms of like when he walks in the room you can just feel the energy and he always stayed in the character in the character that is likable but also brutal at the same time right mm. so um it threw me off uh, at first the first season i'm like oh my god this guy is so nasty <laughs> But then, you know, I just realized that he probably stayed in his character. He could be very charming. He was very charming at times, but could be very abrasive and, like, uh, bottom line rude sometimes. But it's just because of his character. That's who, you know, that's the character he played, and he stayed in that character behind the scenes as well. Um, I guess it just, you know, now I understand, now that I have more experience about it, that's what you do. Yeah. But very charming personality, like, uh, you know, after parties, after very charming, very charming man. Did you watch the show in its entirety? Were you a fan? 
I love the show. I probably cannot quote many, many, you know, lines from it. But That's I okay. love the show because of writing. Yeah. I thought writing on the show is just so brilliant. Brilliant! It's quick. It's witty. It's sharp. It's just uh, I, I still haven't seen any show that could match to this one, really, in terms of writing. Have you seen a more conflicting ending? Uh, I actually went to watch that they had like this party in Florida, yeah. and everybody from the crew was there, and I was there, so I was as shocked as everybody else. I didn't know what's going to happen, really. I, I didn't know. So um, I think actually it was a smart idea on David Chase's part. I think it was a smart idea because what else do you do, right? Yeah. With the character, is it like happy ever after? Are you going to say that, you know, that the mafia guy will be happy ever after, right? Like, right. So it was. So I thought it was brilliant. I know it was disappointing for many people. And and kind of like, oh, because it, it's like the part of the show, people loved it. And it just was dead. There was no more anymore. So people wanted to see something more. And um, they didn't get that. But I thought it was a brilliant idea, though, frankly. Are you aware of the, the movie that's coming out in, I think, next year? Yes, I heard. Yeah, I heard about the movie, and it's about young Tony uh, Tony Sopranos, right? That's yeah, what it's, I know about. it's about the riots of 1968 in Newark, and um, it's supposed to be um, Christopher Moltisanti's dad, Dickie Moltisanti. Mm-hmm. He's the main mm-hmm. character, and, and uh, young Tony's going to be in there. It's interesting to, to for people that are fans of the show and have been watching it and that listen to this podcast and just sort of can't get it out of their system. It's a nice way to extend the universe. I'm sure. It's like, you know, some sort of like, I guess, what's the word for it? Homage? Or, homage, you know, yeah. To the show, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and to, exactly. I mean, I, I'll be the one watching it myself because that show was a part, huge part of my life. So um, this is kind of a silly question, but I'm talking to you right now, so I'm going to ask it. In the show... You um, you mention a painting by David Hockney. Your character actually taught me about David Hockney and got me into his artwork. <laughs> Do you have any David Hockney or David Hockney prints in your possession today? I don't. Okay. No, I don't. As a matter of fact, when I was playing that role, I had no idea who he was myself. So. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, one of the things we explore is the <laughs> art on the show. There's a lot of art references and there's a lot of art mm-hmm. illusion. And uh, that David Hockney painting is actually a very powerful sort of deep layered meaning painting. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I got to ask you that question, even though um, it would have been it would have been amazing if you said, absolutely, I have one hanging in my bedroom. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. No, uh, no. I mean, you mean like a real one? No, no? or or, okay. or, a, or a, a, <laughs> yeah, a print. Yeah. Um, no. So besides besides work, what do you enjoy? Um, like, what do you enjoy doing in the city for fun? What are you passionate about? I dance. I dance ballet. Yeah, I dance ballet. That's my hobby. Or uh, I dedicate, uh, you know, quite a. A uh, bit of my time to do the uh, to do that. I like to travel. I spend a lot of time in Europe these days, actually. Um, like nature. I like swimming. Very cool. Um, what else I like? That's pretty much it. <laughs> well rounded. <laughs> the last few questions are just lightning round, just fun, so people can get a flavor for who you are and, and what you're all about. Mm-hmm. What music are you enjoying at the moment? 
you know what? I'm going to sound that's very sophisticated. I love house music. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I am into, yes, I got into, you know, house music. Uh, I, I went to Ibiza and uh, it's just like, I love it. I love parties with the good DJs and that's what, what I'm into. And of course, when I dance ballet, there's always classical music. Um, what DJ are you into right now is, is your go-to DJ? I don't have a go-to DJ. I mean, there are lists that I'm lately have, but yeah. I don't don't follow them. I just go anywhere where they play house music, and especially in Europe, like it's just because I think European likes like house music better than Americans. I don't know. It has it has definitely. But that's honestly, honestly, that's what I'm listening right now. For some reason, that gives me energy and puts me in a good mood, you know. And there's just I, I just feel happy when I listen to it and dancing. I'm a big yeah. fan of uh, Derek Carter. He's a DJ from uh, Chicago. The Chicago house scene is uh, it's a good sound, good vibe. If you don't know him, check him out. It's good stuff. Derek? Derek Carter. Carter. All yeah. right, then. From Chicago. From Chicago, yeah. But he tours all over the world. Um, have you read anything good lately? Uh, you know what? Uh, good, amazing. I cannot say, but what I read actually, I'm reading this trilogy. Uh, Red Sparrow. Okay. They made movie out of it yeah. by Jason Masu. They made movie out of it, and I was so disappointed because the book is so much more interesting and um, you know and versatile, and uh, I was really disappointed in the movie. I didn't like what they did for the movie. And also the other book that I read, which uh, I really liked, it was I Am the Pilgrim. don't remember the author, but it was an amazing book. It's called I Am Pilgrim. Pilgrim? Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah. Pilgrim, yes. Uh, um, it's a journey of one man. Uh, it's a beautiful book. Yes, I do like adventures. You know, I like spies. I like all of that. Interesting. But, that's what I, I like spies. <laughs> Finally, um, what are one or two of your favorite bookstores in the city that you go to? You know, in the city, unfortunately, they what, they, they close Barnes and Nobles. There is one only on 5th Avenue and 47th Street. Uh, once in a while, I stop by there. But as far as smaller bookstore, there is really one cute one that I always stop by when I am in the Hamptons in Sac Harbor. It's a tiny bookstore, and they have amazing collection. And a coffee shop, and I, I, I really don't want bookshops to go away. Yeah. Because I think they're amazing. I think that's how you find about good book. Like, for example, that's how I find books. I don't go online. Like, it's too much. You, you go. These days, you just go online for everything. All you do is stare at the computer all the time. And frankly, I find it exhausting. <laughs> so, yes, I, if you know a small bookshop in the city, please do let me know because I don't know of any. So, whenever I have time, I go usually in Hamptons. Sometimes I go there in the summer. Or uh, in Europe, when you're in London, there are a lot of bookshops, small bookshops that I go to and buy my books there. But Sadly, and, and thank you for being a spokesperson for bookstores. I love that. The city, a lot of stores have shut down because of rents. But in Brooklyn, there's a kind of, I don't want to say thriving, but there's a vibrant bookstore scene. There's a place there called Words, and there's a really cool bookstore mm -hmm. in Dumbo called uh, Powerhouse. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, there's some things that should exist. We don't need to buy everything online. And 
uh, books are Brooklyn rocks. It's a good place. That's where everyone needs to live because there is like new thoughts, younger people, you know. And yeah. uh, it's it's a cool place to be right now. Well, I live in Manhattan, so I don't go to Brooklyn a lot. Yeah, well, Manha- Manhattan is always going to be the kingpin, but um, maybe some more stores will seep in there soon. Well, there's always the Strand too, the Strand right, right by NYU. That's uh, yeah. I that, don't know. I don't go there. Yeah, Oksana, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you. Uh, I hope you have a great day. You too. Take care.